This whole month, Pastor Bobby has been talking about covenant relationships or relationship 2021 for those of you that have been here. And uh, we're, you know, guess what? We're still talking about relationships today, just in a different way. Uh, your relationship, your number one relationship should obviously be with God. You got to get your vertical relationship straight before you can get your horizontal relationships with other people straight, right? So Bobby had talked about some things about like, what are you a part of? Or what do you do that you are a part of? Do you do anything that you're a part of? Uh, and servant relationships and covenant relationships and what is the gathering? Um, and, but we're talking about your relationship with God today in a way. Um, how many of you are married? Almost everybody in this room. Uh, how many of you remember how you met your wife? Your wives are looking around like, you better remember. <laughs> so about, uh, about six months ago now, I made a comment. I want to know Jesus like I know my wife. And uh, I haven't been able to live that down ever since with God, not my wife. And I know my wife pretty well, but... Uh, I realized whether I like to admit it or not, I don't know Jesus as well as I know my wife. Uh, and I'm a pastor, and, and uh, y'all can read into that however you want to. I really don't care. Uh, but, you know, if you get honest with yourself, like I did, I asked myself, why? Why don't I know Jesus like I know my wife? Well, I have spent almost 16 years with my wife. Uh, we met in the eighth grade. And uh, end of eighth grade, back when there was Yahoo Messenger, uh, when the internet first came out and that type of thing, I'm not that old as, as you can see, but uh, anyway, that was before, that was kind of when cell phones just first came out, and anyway, you still had to call on the house phone, and um, we did not, you know, being in eighth grade, not having your license, you couldn't really go on dates or anything, so uh, we would talk on the phone a lot. Probably that first year of us getting to know each other, we weren't uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, so to speak, but we were just talking to each other, I guess. I spent two to three hours almost every night on the phone with her. And that's how I know her so well. You can pick her, I can pick her voice out anywhere because I spent so much time with her. So I was... Comparing and contrasting my relationship with my wife to my relationship with God and, and what the differences were and whether you admit it or not. You know, how, when, when you and your wife first started dating before you got married, how hard did you pursue after her? I remember when Chrissy was in college, I would drive an hour every other day just to go see her. Do you pursue God that same way with that same intensity you know I started asking myself all these questions and uh, how do you get to know somebody how do you build a relationship we're talking about relationships we've been talking about it all month so from all this I decided if I'm gonna know Jesus like I know my wife I got to spend more time with him be alone with them. So for me, that started with prayer. 
So after I made that comment, I want to know Jesus like I know my wife, I started talking to God about it and realized he was just saying, I just want you to spend time with me. No agenda. Just spend time with me. So how often do you go to God because you need something or somebody else needs something? Which brought up the question for me, do you only talk to your dad when you want something or need something? Or do you spend time with him just because you want to, out of pure love or joy? How often do you read or study God's Word with no end goal other than just to know him better? I'm asking all myself myself all these questions because when you have a test when you're going to preach you'll prepare right you'll prepare well when you got a test right but what about when you don't have any test or any pressure or any hardships or you're not going through anything do you still go after them with the same intensity or do you just call on them when you need them when I was younger uh, if any of y'all know anything about me you know I spent a lot of time running from God uh, so I always felt like I was behind in my relationship with God. Uh, and I needed to catch up. To what, I don't know. I was always looking to the next thing. Like, i got to get through this thing, and I need to get to the next thing because I need to know as much as I can know. I had a hard time relaxing or enjoying most of my study. I went to school because I wanted to know how to understand the Bible better. We live in a world that's, you know, so instant and fast-paced, and, and it's almost like, what's next, so to speak, you know? So I started to ask, what would be so wrong? I started to ask myself, what would be so wrong if I spent an entire year in prayer? Praying, studying, and reading about prayer. What if I just did one thing? Instead of trying to eat the whole elephant, so to speak, instead of trying to read the Bible in a year, instead of trying to read as many books or do as many Bible studies as I could, what if I just did one thing and got to know God so well that He told me what to do instead of me trying to figure it out or tell Him what to do, right? So that's where this journey is going to begin today. So before we get into it, I'm going to pray, okay? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the warmer weather. Thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody in this room, dear Lord. I pray that uh, you'll get me and, and my hang-ups out of the way, and, and you'll just say whatever you want to say, dear Lord. And uh, I trust that somebody here in this room today needs to hear it. I thank you for this time and just this privilege of being able to, to share your word and, and how much you love people and and um, I look forward to it. I love you. Amen. All right, so this morning, um, you know, most time when you preach, you got to outline and three, four, maybe five points, and you want to try to put it together. Well, I just got one thing for you, and it's on the TV. Prayer produces faith. And I believe that's why God has said what he said to me over these past couple of months and not really said anything else. But if you don't learn anything else today, just know that prayer produces faith. That's the one thing you need to know today. 
Prayer produces faith. So, I want to look at a story of faith, and, and I'm so, sure most of you in this room have heard this story a million times, but uh, we'll just see what happens, all right? So, Genesis 22, 1 through 18 is a story about faith and, and is a story about Abraham and Abraham's obedience being tested, his faith being tested. We're going to read it, all right? Starting with verse 1 in chapter 22, if you got your Bible or your phone or your app or you just want to follow along on the screen, starting with verse 22, Abraham. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham. Verse 1. You got it? Twenty-two-one. It's up there. All right. It's just one verse at a time on the computer. Sorry. All right. Y'all ready? All right. Sorry. Here we go. Genesis twenty-two. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son. Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place where God told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Here with the donkey... Abraham told the young men, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he carried the knife and the fire. As the two of them went on together, Isaac said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and the fire, said the boy, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb, my son. Abraham answered, and they both went on together. When they arrived at the place where Abraham had told, where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. He then tied up Isaac and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son, to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he answered. I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a bush. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. Abraham named the place. The Lord will provide. This, is, this name has now become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your beloved son, I swear by my own self, I will bless you richly. I will multiply your descendants into countless millions. Like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore, they will conquer their enemies. 
And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. All right, I told you the one thing. You got an example of faith? That's all I got to say. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How often do, have you heard that story? You probably heard that story if you grew up in church a hundred times. How often do you read stories like that and think, how did he do that? If you put yourself in Abraham's shoes, how would you be able to take your son on that journey and take him up the mountain and tell him all those things? How did he have that faith? And then you try to, you know, to make excuses for yourself. Well, God talked to Abraham and spoke to him and spoke to him and spoke to him audibly it seems like, and you try to make excuses for yourself and say, well, God doesn't speak to us like that anymore. Well, that's a lie. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13.8. God still speaks. See, you got to know where Abraham started for him to get to this point of trusting God. You can't just go to that story, which is a well-known story among Christians, you, his faith started in Genesis 12. See, and it didn't happen all at once either. How often do you, you know, you hear a good message or you feel convicted by God and, and you say, you know, well, I'm going to start doing something different or I'm going to start praying more or, and it doesn't last because you're impatient or because you put a timeline on it or you put a timeline on God. See, you have to go back to understand how Abraham got his faith. Genesis 12 through 25, I believe, is the whole story of Abraham. But in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham to leave the comforts of his home and his family and gives him a promise of becoming the father of a great nation. He was 75 years old, by the way. It won't like he was 22 and just got out of college and looking for a job, willing to go anywhere. He was 75. He'd been around for a while, and he was even married. And God said, I want you to leave everything you know and go where I tell you to go because I got a plan for you. I got something bigger prepared for you. So what did Abraham do? He took a step in faith. But while he was taking them steps in faith, what did Abraham do? If you notice, reading through chapters 13 through 21, up until the point where he gets to sacrifice Isaac, he talks to God. And what is prayer? You're talking to God. You're having a conversation with God. And it's not all one-sided. It's not just you making requests or or making requests for other people, which those things are important, but it's more about what prayer for me in this season is, is listening to God. How do I know Chrissy's voice so well? Because I spent so much time listening to her. Not so much time talking. So when you're praying, if you're doing all the talking, how can you know how God is leading? To summarize the rest of the story of Abraham, chapters 13 through 
21, Abraham, once he leaves his home and goes on this journey with his wife and his nephew Lot, you know, uh, there's a famine and, and they go to Egypt to wait it out. And, you know, Abraham lies to Pharaoh about Sarah and calls him his sister because she's pretty. And, and uh, they get in this whole debacle there. And then him and Lot, you know, he brings his cattle and his whole family with him. And him and Lot got so much stuff and they're arguing over it and they decide to split up. And, you know, Lot goes to Sodom and, and Abraham goes a different way. And then, if you notice, every time Abraham gets to another town, he builds an altar and he worships. And he talks to God. He prays. And his faith is being built. Well, then, you know, in chapter 15, God gives Abraham the covenant and says, you know, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars. You'll, your descendants will be many nations. He gives them that promise well, you got to remember, this story started when he was 75 years old. By the time you get to the promise of where God's given him the covenant, Abraham says, well, I don't have a son to give you these blessings, all these blessings to. What are, what are you talking about? God promises him he'll have a son. How many times in prayer do you feel led or you feel God telling you something and you expect it right then or the next week? If you add it up, Abraham won't 90, but 99. Y'all know the story. Sarah gets told that and she thinks it's crazy and she decides to offer up her, her slave to Abraham and they have a child. And in between that, God's promise doesn't change. And then, I believe Abraham's, what, 99 when he has Isaac? That's 25 years. And I was, when I read that, I was thinking about, has God told you something? Or has God led you to something? And you've been obedient and faithful to stick with it for 25 years before it come to pass. I haven't. I ain't but 30 years old, so you know, 25 years is a long time. But that made me think, that made me check my faith because do you have the faith to do that for that length of time? Do you have the faith to believe that God's going to do what He said He's going to do? That Jesus is who He said He is for that length of time. As I said, what is, what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. And all through this, up until this point, Abraham prays. He talks to God. His faith grows. He's having a conversation. He sets up altars. He worships. He prays. He talks to Him. I don't know about y'all, but ask yourself, would you have the faith to offer up your son and believe that God's going to provide? I don't know. I want to have that faith, though. And that starts through prayer. It starts through talking to God. 
Hebrews chapter 11, the writer in Hebrews talks about Abraham. In verse 8, he said, it was, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him his inheritance. He went without knowing where, where he was going, and, he, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in, living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who was, was his son and grandson, who inherited that same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. See, a lot of times you wonder is, am I doing enough for God? We talked about serving, and last week Bobby talked about serving and and said some of y'all probably don't want to hear that because it makes you feel guilty, right? Made you feel like, well, am I doing enough or am I not doing enough? But one thing I do know is you're measured by your faith. You're measured by your faith. That's it. The reason all these people are in the Bible or got mentioned or the writer in Hebrews puts them in the hall of faith is because they trusted God. And when you pray and when you talk to them, and you trust them, and you step out in faith, and you get that first victory, what does that do? It gives you confidence. Not in yourself, but in Him. Your faith grows by prayer. How many of you ever heard the expression, the church is ten miles wide and a quarter inch deep? Think about how many churches are in America. Think about how many churches are just in this county, probably. I don't know. There's a church every five miles. But do we have the boldness and the faith that produces confidence in Jesus that, in which in turn produces the power where things change, where miracles happen, where you trust God so much that you're willing to kill your own son because you know He's going to provide Where's that at? I don't know. I'm not sitting up here saying I got all the answers. I'm just telling you that I want that. And the only way I know to do that is to spend time with them. And that's all I'm asking y'all to do is just spend time with them. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 and I don't think Amanda has this, but it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You can't come half-heartedly. You got to come boldly. So I told you in the beginning of this month we're talking about relationships. Relationships. 
Is your relationship with God like your relationship with your wife? I don't, maybe your relationship with your wife ain't that great. I don't know. But there's somebody in your life you know more than anybody else. You can pick them out of a crowd. Can you say that about your relationship with God? I can't. But I'm trying. My faith comes through prayer. So in this season of praying, you know, I, I send out a weekly prayer list every week of all the prayer requests, and I put different things at the top of it. Sometimes I put, you know, opportunities below or big prayers, big faith, because big prayers require big faith. And sometimes you don't, you don't pray big things because you don't think they'll come true or you don't have the faith, but... For me, I pray those big things because I'm trying to let my faith catch up with my prayers. But it's a relationship. Just because it's not physical does not mean it can't be fulfilled the same way spiritually. There's power in prayer. I'm going to leave you with, with one more thing. If there's power in prayer, why don't we spend more time in prayer? Over the course of a day or a week, how much time do you spend in prayer? And I'm not talking about praying for people's ailments and surgeries and conditions and and things. Those are opportunities to connect with people and help people connect with God. But I'm talking about getting on your hands and knees and, and just being silent and still until the Holy Spirit overwhelms you so much you don't know what else to do but speak. How often do we do that? How often do we do that as a gathering? And, and it, So that's where this whole relationship thing is going. Because we gather really well. Everybody likes to come and sing and, and maybe hear the preacher tell something funny or tell a story or, or tell you uh, how much hope Jesus can give you, which are all great things. But do you have the faith to believe that, that God can change things, that miracles still do happen? that revival can come. It gets awkward when it gets quiet, don't it? I think that's why we don't pray a whole lot. Because you get, you get motivated to pray, this might even motivate you, I don't know. And you get quiet, and it starts getting awkward. So you stop, right? God's just giving you an opportunity to trust Him. You don't have to be the smartest, the biggest, the brightest, the most educated. God just wants simple people that trust Him. And that's 
anybody in the Bible. You look at them, that's all they, that's all they did. They trusted them. Imagine being 75 years old, and I know Abraham lived to was 175, I believe, but and God asking you to go sell your house and go to Africa or go to Tennessee, I don't know. And you trusting him enough to know that he's got something better planned for you. That's where where it all starts, and it starts with prayer. So, uh, spoiler alert, I'd like to end this service in prayer. I'm going to pray until God moves. It might get awkward, it might get silent, I don't know. But I trust that God's working in somebody's life, not just in this room, but anywhere. So, let's see what God has to say. We'll go from there. God, thank you for giving us opportunities to to be uncomfortable. Help us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Help us to know that the only thing we have to do is take a step. Help us not to close our minds off to to what you're doing because it doesn't meet our expectations. Help us not to limit you to our expectations. God, I pray for each and and every person in this room that's listening to the sound of, of my voice or you through me that they would spend that time with you. That they would see what, what you, what you're doing. Help us all to just have faith, to spend time with you. Not for the blessings, not for the benefits, not for, for heaven, but just because you love us and we love you. Well, we want heaven if you want there is the, is the question I've heard. God, I just ask that during this time right now that, that you just fill this place and I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I trust that 
that you'll show up. And I trust that no matter what it looks like, that we can just cast our our cares on you. And, and, and as Paul says in Philippians, not to worry about anything, instead pray about everything. God, I pray that as a gathering, as a community, as a, as a body of believers, we would just come together more in prayer. That we would see what you want to do first. That we would get our relationship right with you and let you tell us what the rest of it is supposed to look like. I thank you for giving us your word and people and examples to look back on and, and see that the only thing they did was take, take a step and talk to you. And that's all you're asking us to do. I pray that you help the people in this room and the people watching online see what that step is. To step into those victories, dear Lord, and be able to know that Christ is in them if they received them and believe in them. And that that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And to believe that, to, to know that it won't just Jesus, it won't just the apostles, it won't just Abraham or, or Isaac, that, it, that it, all those amazing stories, amazing things could, could be through us if we would just have faith. And that just starts by talking to you, dear Lord. So I just pray that people would just start talking to you. They'll be able to see what their purpose is, what your plan for them is, where they should serve, where they should give their time, their talent, what their talent is, dear Lord. I just thank you for this time. Thank you for loving me enough to, to speak to me, uh, even when, when I don't deserve it. And uh, I just ask all these things in your name. Amen.